Michael, this is all very confusing. You're listening to On Markets with Tino and Remy, presented by Darwin Partners. There's only one thing that's been on everybody's mind this week. GameStop. 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 Ten days ago, GameStop was worth under $40. This morning, over $400. Uh, what the heck is going on? <laughs> uh, one of the most overused terms in all of finance is a perfect storm. And unfortunately, we got to use that here. Uh, you, you take a stock that is very thinly traded, low float, meaning that uh, big trades can cause uh, significant price movements. So you have a bunch of... Uh, traders online through message forums and chat rooms uh, ganging up together and looking for these opportunities. And, and then you need a third component. You need a heavily shorted stock. So basically, if, you short a, if I short a stock, what that means is I am going to go out and sell something that I don't own. So I then uh, at my broker, which is Charles Schwab or TD, wherever it may be, I'll tell TD I want to short Apple, for example, and they'll go into somebody else's account that owns Apple, give it to me, and then I'll short it. And there's a very sophisticated system that tracks everything so nobody gets hurt. Uh, but the problem is a short position has infinite downside. Okay, If I buy a stock and it goes to the moon, I can make a lot of money. Uh, if it goes to zero, my, my loss is capped. In this instance, if you short a stock, you have infinite loss potential. So people that are short stocks are very, very scared about uh, that happening. You don't want the stock to rise too high because you can get blown out of your position very quickly. So that's what they were looking for is this type of a powder keg environment. And they ganged up. They went out and they found GameStop, which was one of the most shorted stocks on the planet. And they attacked it and they attacked it huge, which then caused the, the those uh, funds and investors that were short the stock to have to cover their stock. And it created this vicious cycle. And then what made it even worse was options. A lot of investors were buying call options, which meant that the dealers selling those call options to them required them to go out to hedge their positions, which meant that they had to go out and buy more stock. It gets a little complicated, but it truly was the perfect storm this week. So when you say when you say they, who's they? <laughs> That's a that is the million dollar question right now. Uh, there, there's a lot of chatter and theory that this is a bunch of you know, uh, you know kids sitting at home. I call them kids, you know, early adulthood range that uh, are, are taking their stimulus checks and they're buying stocks and day trading because all the casinos are closed. And I think that that's probably where this started. But I, and again, this is just a, a theory of mine. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think what you're seeing today, or at least over the past couple of days, is uh, a lot of activity from high frequency traders. Those fancy hedge funds and trading shops that move millions and billions of, 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 of dollars in fractions of a microsecond. That, to me, that's the only, the only entity big and powerful enough to see these types of swings. But in order to get the attention, I mean, it has to be somewhat of a coordinated effort, I would think. Oh, there's collusion. There's no, look, this, uh, a colleague of mine said it best this morning in one of our meetings. This is a classic pump and dump scheme. There's no question how this got started is a bunch of people sat together in a chat room, said, okay, let's figure out a way to pump and dump a stock. It's no different except for this time they use the internet. So I guess that begs the question then, how can I get into that chat room, right? <laughs> well, I want to know what's going on. <laughs> hey, look, I mean, uh, it's a lot of times it's garbage in, garbage out. You got to consider the source of some of this information. But I strongly urge anybody listening, spend some time on the Wall Street Bets Reddit account. Read through and ask yourself, are these the people you want to get investment advice from? 
it's truly staggering what people <laughs> will post in this forum. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. I can't imagine what, what, what people are uh, suggesting. <laughs> so I saw amidst all this mayhem, uh, Robinhood and uh, a few other online brokers started restricting investors from, from buying GameStop stock. Can they just do this at, at will? I mean, is this, is this legal? Legally, uh, yeah, they can. You know, they're going to use that big tech defense of, uh, well, see our terms and conditions and then go pound sand. I mean, that's they literally can do almost whatever they want. I mean, they're going to get sued for this. But and I don't sound I don't mean to sound like I'm defending Robinhood and E-Trade and the others, but they really didn't have a choice. If you think about how stock settlement works, it's what we call T plus two. All right. So if, if you or I buy a stock. What basically will happen in our, let's say in our Charles Schwab account or, or whatever it is, uh, Schwab will basically say, okay, I'm going to give you credit for this transaction immediately, but it's going to take two days to settle the process of taking the cash out of my account and then replacing it with a stock. The problem during highly, highly volatile periods, like what we've seen in certain stocks, is that there's a very good chance that if I buy GameStop today for $400, that it's going to be at zero or close to zero come you know Monday or Tuesday of next week. So because of that, because of the risk of this extreme volatility, the clearinghouses, which are basically default, uh, kind of a insurance mechanism for st the stock market, you're, you're kind of getting the plumbing of how things work at this point. But basically, they called up Robinhood and all the other brokers yesterday and said, look, if you're going to transact in these stocks, you got to post more, more collateral. It's the same thing as you know, a bank calling you up and saying, hey, we're worried about your finances. You need to post more collateral, something like that. So basically, they had a they had a collateral, effectively a margin call in a weird way. So uh, Robinhood didn't have the cash; they just didn't have it. Uh, they tried to tap all their credit lines and everything, but they just didn't have what was necessary from the clearinghouses. So they had to restrict trading. Now, obviously, if you go online, that's not what the conspiracy theories are telling you. But that's really all it was was a kind of a weird function of the plumbing of the financial services markets. So on one side of the fence, we've got large hedge funds that have taken a short position in GameStop. On the other side, we've got a group of seemingly average people who have gotten together uh, one way or another, in, in this particular case, Reddit, and have decided that they're all going to purchase GameStop at the same time on the same day. Whether it's because they've figured out that they can you know, essentially get rich off this play, or whether it's a little bit more vindictive and they just wanna sort of stick it to Wall Street and, and take down these hedge funds. But how do they get the information? How do they know that these hedge funds have shorted this particular stock? There are data sources out there that will tell you the, what's called the short interest in a stock. So now this data, by the way, the funny thing about the data is it's usually about two to three weeks old. It's very stale data, uh, but it will tell you the short interest in certain stocks. And uh, because of the way the, uh, the way they calculate this data, a lot of times it looks like um, the short interest is a, is a lot higher than it is. In, in this instance with GameStop, it, the short interest was above 100% which intuitively doesn't make any sense. How could you short more than 100% of the shares outstanding? Uh, but that's the way it looks. So basically they're, they're finding these data sources and then you could just qu quickly look at the float and say, okay, uh, we've got a situation where we've got a stock that's very thinly traded. It's not a very large uh, market cap and the short interest is to the moon. So in that instance, all you need to do is to get a little bit of collusion to start buying and you're gonna start causing an extreme amount of panic in a couple of hedge funds and, and two in particular uh, you know they, they, they could have gone under this week had they not uh they, had they not gotten saved 
or for that matter, covered their position, which I think what we saw on Wednesday was uh, a lot of short covering on Wednesday, especially. Yeah, no doubt. So a lot of volatility this week, and, and it's not just GameStop. We've seen it with a, a few different stocks, right? We've seen it with AMC. We've seen it with BlackBerry. Well, I guess we saw it with Signal, but that was sort of a different situation. But again, a lot of volatility, right? Blockbuster. Blockbuster went bankrupt 10, 10 years ago, and it's up 700% today. For the average person, the average listener, somebody who's listening to us right now, can they profit from this or take advantage of this opportunity? Because you know, as we know, volatility does create a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you might be surprised to hear me say that I'm actually not against speculation. I, I think there's nothing wrong with it as long as you keep it under control. I mean, if you want to go to the casino and gamble, have at it. Just you know, don't bet the house. And I, I, in this instance, I think that if you want to, you know, put I don't know what the number is. Let's cut. Let's say no more than five percent of your investable assets into something like maybe buying a basket of these stocks or, or whatever you, however you want to play the game, you know, have at it. Just, just don't get too crazy with this because I'm telling you, I've seen a couple of these short, uh, the short squeezes in the past. They all end the exact same way. And I don't, the, the, I don't know when this is going to happen. Nobody knows when GameStop's going to come back down or AMC or, or these other short, Blackberry is another one, uh, but they are going to come back down at some point. So if you're going to play this game, just realize that whatever you put in is probably going to be a zero at the end of the day unless you get really, really lucky. Uh, so have at it, have fun. Just don't go too crazy with this. So what about shorting that stock now? I mean, are those options available? There appears to be uh, shares available to short. Just remember when you short a stock, like I said earlier, a couple of things. One is that you have infinite downside. If this thing were to spike to a thousand a share, whatever it may be, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Uh, another issue when you short stocks is that there's a cost associated with it. So when I when I go out and I borrow shares from somebody else and then I short them in the market, Charles Schwab is going to charge me a fee to do that. And these fees are not low. They're tip. I don't know what they are right now. Seven, eight, nine, ten percent on a position like GameStop, for example, that's heavily shorted. That interest rate could easily be fifty or sixty percent. So it is a huge hurdle to profit. In a situation like this, in my opinion, uh, even if I were the gambling type, I would look at this situation and say, you know what? I kind of missed my entry point, either long or short, and I'm going to sit this one out, which is actually what I'm going to do anyway. Yeah, you're definitely uh, swimming with sharks at this point. So you and I talk to a lot of financial advisors and we get a bunch of questions and usually those questions are actually coming from that advisor's client. Uh, you know, what we've heard a lot recently is uh, is this the beginning of another dot-com style bubble? So what do you think? Is this a bubble? And, and if so, when is it going to burst? Well, yeah, it's, I always go back to the media, but it's interesting. If you, if you look at, we're, we're talking about a handful of stocks, these, these MEM stocks or whatever you want to call them. They, they, yeah, you can count them on one hand, maybe two hands. This is a microcosm of the broader stock market right now. And it's getting a ton of media attention. And I get why. But this is absolutely in no way, shape, or form indicative of another dot-com style bubble burst scenario. This is not 2000. It's not even close. If you look at the potential opportunity in the, in the equity market, the fundamentals that are underpinning uh, the not just today's prices, but the potential for tomorrow's prices, uh, you see an incredible opportunity. Back in 2000, this wasn't one or two or 10 stocks. It was a huge portion of the market. Some companies back then were going public and they hadn't even sold products yet. All right. So we're not quite there yet, but I think that there are certain 
certainly pockets of the market right now that are showing uh, a little too much excess, which ironically, going back to how do you play this game, I stay away from it because I don't want to be in the bubble when it bursts. And there are some bubbles out there. There's no question. So you've been very bullish on 2021. And I know we're only three weeks into the year, so this seems like a ridiculous question to ask. But you know, has anything changed because of this? No, nothing's changed yet. I know that there's a little bit of broader volatility that we've seen this week in the market, particularly in the technology space. Uh, I just, I just like to tell investors, look, th- this is something that this is part of the ride. You know, I, I certainly have been bullish. I've been writing a lot about my bullish thesis, but one of the caveats I warned investors was. Uh, it, the irony is the more bullish you get, the more volatility you're going to have to expect because that's just how this business goes. So uh, be patient and just go back to the idea of what really is driving the market right now and the fact that the economy is recovering, interest rates are at zero, inflation's rising. And frankly, there really isn't any other alternative if you want long-term growth that's going to beat inflation right now. Uh, the bond market, cash investments uh, are, are not looking all that great going forward. So we got to keep our eye on the ball here and think longer term. What goes on in the day-to-day or week-to-week basis, I have a lot less interest in. So I have uh, the million-dollar question. What the <laughs> heck is a stonk? <laughs> I got to Google this. I, yeah, <laughs> have Elon you seen Musk, this? Uh, hold on. Yeah, was, I think it's just... Man, it's like everywhere right now. Stonks. Yeah. I, you know, the first time I came across stonk <laughs> was... Uh, was a couple days ago. Uh, Elon Musk twittered it or tweeted it rather. Uh, and what I gather, um, maybe I'm just too old for this now, but for what I gather is just a, a slang for the word stock. So um, you know, I'll flip it around. It's like you know, a couple years ago when you know one of the baby boomers and you know the older generation was calling Uber Uber. I think it's kind of the same thing, just in reverse. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, it's like hodl for for uh, for cryptos, right? Are you familiar with hodl? Hodl? Uh, uh, no, you're, that's your world, not mine. Uh, I, I think it's the same thing. I think somebody uh, somebody influential at, at one point uh, tweeted out that that you should you should hold Bitcoin, and of course they misspelled hold, and it was H O D L, and and the crypto world sort of adopted it as uh, as as a term that's. Apparently, just uh, standard practice now. You should always hodl. No more holding. You know, there's a great quote from Isaac Newton that I think is appropriate right now. I might screw this up a little bit, but follow follow closely. I think he said something like, "I can calculate the motion of heavenly bodies, but not the madness of people." I think that summarizes it all right there. 